Welcome to Mindset and Money Mastery for Photographers, the podcast. We help overwhelmed photographers make more money while simplifying their business by mastering their, you guessed it, mindset and money. Tune in each week for practical and actionable tips to take your photography business up a notch. Let's dive right in. I am incredibly excited to welcome Jen to our podcast today. For those of you that do not know who Jen is, Jen is a virtual assistant that helps photographers simplify their businesses, make their lives easier, take the load off of their plate. I feel like it's appropriate to share the story of how we met. Do you agree? Of course. I'll tell my side of the story, then you can tell your version of it. Yeah, absolutely. Jen started following me on Instagram like probably six years ago when I did 360 courses. She had reached out when I was in Kentucky and was like, let's go grab coffee. And I was like, sure, I'll meet up with this stranger that just randomly messaged me on Instagram and said they'd been following me for a while. So we went and had coffee. And I think this was like when you were just starting your business. It was very new. I want to say it was in the first probably six, seven months of being a business. Yeah. And then I was like new in my equine photography journey. I was like in my second year in business, I think when we met up. So we met up, we went at Starbucks. I remember like that day very vividly, which is strange. And then the following year, when I came back, I actually went out and photographed Jen with her pony. And if you were watching this and you could see it, you would see that she has beautiful pictures of her pony behind her on her walls. So yeah, that's how I know Jen. And we have a long history. So I'm excited. Yeah. And I have her here and um, I've been on her podcast as well. So this is fun to have her on our podcast. So Jen, tell us a little bit more about yourself and kind of what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So I start off as a virtual assistant. It was, I guess, about five and a half years ago now. And now I run Success Beyond the Lens. So we are a business management and marketing company for photographers. So we specialize in assisting photographers with their business management, their marketing, their systems, and streamline those things so that they can actually do what they love, which is taking pictures <laughs> rather than being stuck in the minutia day to day. Yep. That's my role these days is really running the team and making sure the systems on our end are really tight and marketing for, for the business. Yeah. I love that. So what made you get into helping photographers with their business? When I decided I didn't want to work for corporate anymore, I knew I wanted to do something that I could work from home. I had just had a baby. He was like less than a month old. And I gave myself six months to leave corporate. And I looked into becoming a photographer. I've always loved photography. I carried a camera around with me everywhere growing up. I have no idea how much money my parents spent on those little like film rolls from like the, uh, what was it? I can't remember what it's called. Uh, like the wind and shoot. Uh-huh. The disposable. <laughs> disposable. Thank you. You know, so I looked into it and I was like, there's no way I can learn photography the way I would want to do be a photographer in six months. So I did virtual assistant instead. And my first client was a photographer. And I just fell in love with the business side of things. I've always had a knack for customer service. And then in working with her, I realized I also have a knack for operations. And combining the love of the creativity and everything from photography, I did the next best thing. And now I just get to help you guys grow your businesses and look at the pretty pictures. (laughs) I love that. That's amazing. So 
And just so everybody knows, I have used Jen in the past to do things for me. Jen has blogged for me. Jen has managed my inbox. Jen has done a lot of random things for me over the years. So Jen is really good at what she does. And I would not have her on here if I didn't believe that she was really amazing at what she does. So tell me this, what do you think like the first sign is or a good sign is that it is time to outsource? What is that turning point for most photographers that you run into that are like, I need your help. I can't do it anymore. Yes. So there's only one or two of three like big red flags. They are taking longer than 48 hours to reply to emails. Like I've talked to plenty of business owners that we've gone through like inbox. The first thing we do is like organize an inbox when we start working with you. And we find emails from six months ago that never received a response. So when those little things like not getting a response or taking more than 48 hours, Mm -hmm. uh, your social media falling off the end of the earth, like one day they're just like not there anymore. And it lapses for, normally I like to say between two and four weeks, like everyone has busy seasons and everyone has seasons of hustle. And I think, especially now social media, you can have those smaller breaks and you're not going to suffer for it. But if it goes longer than like 30, 60, 90 days, then that, that, that can cause issues. So those two things, or you are always working. Like you're working seven days a week. You don't have any boundaries. Those three red flags are normally the sirens that call me that you need help. <laughs> I love that. I, I think that's a really good point. I, I actually think that my email is still the system that you set up whenever you did my inbox for me. And I still use like the system that you set up in my inbox, which is really helpful. Nice. I'm 99.9% sure that you were the one who did that to my inbox. I loved the point you made about boundaries. I think that's a really good point because so many photographers have problems with boundaries and being the bad guy. Mm -hmm. And what I will say to you is that when you hire an assistant or a VA in your business, you get to let your assistant or your VA be the policy enforcer because you have policies in place for a reason. But for some reason, like our clients expect us to like bend and break the policies because, you know, we're small business owners and why shouldn't we break our rules for them? Right. As the owner of the business, it's really hard to say no. But when you have somebody else handling your inbox and you're messaging back and forth with clients, it's easy to be like, hey, Jen, can you please be the bad guy here? Because I cannot be the bad guy today. It is not (laughs) inside of me. And that was like a huge thing for me that I realized when I started letting go of my inbox is that I really liked having somebody else be the bad guy because I'm a people pleaser. Well, and the nice thing is, is... Even if it's not telling someone no, it's if you have one of the things that we've worked with clients too is creating a schedule that works for them. So Tuesdays, Thursday, Fridays, that's when they shoot. Mondays is their off day, Wednesdays editing, and then their weekends are their own, right? So if someone says, hey, I want to do a session on Wednesday, it's not even a no. It's just like, we don't actually, you know, shoot on Wednesdays, but we have next Friday available, whatever that looks like. And that can really help too. So knowing it has to feel like a bad guy, it's just, that's the way the business works. It's our policy, right? We talk yeah. a lot a lot about that in our plan your year workshop is like having a schedule, sticking to your schedule and being like, I'm sorry, our only time we have available for meetings are this day from this time to this time, period, the end. Like, yeah. yes, it doesn't need to know that you're taking three days off that week because you feel like it. Right. To know that you're only available in that small time frame, <laughs> And that's what exactly. are definitely a part about. 
I love how you said that about the social media thing. Cause I like to tell people that like, if your clients and the people that follow you are like, is she dead? Is she alive? Is something wrong with her? Like she just disappeared from the face of the earth, which I think we do during fall and spring. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> from, from about like mid September to probably even like up to January, you're like, never mind. Cause like December and January, you're like breathing for the first time in four months. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then things start picking up. You're like, okay, this feels good. And then May and June hits you like, never mind. This is awful. Right. And then whenever you go dead on social media and you're like absolutely silent and you're so busy, then busy season ends and you're like, well, I don't have any clients. Exactly. I quit showing up on social media and I quit marketing right. and I quit running my business because I was so busy photographing sessions, editing, delivering images that I just, everything else went out the window. Yes. So yeah, I love that very much. So what do you think the best way is to figure out where you should start with outsourcing? Like which tasks you should start outsourcing first? So I like to do a time audit. Like if I'm trying to figure out where to outsource, I'll do a time audit for about a week and figure out where am I spending time that I don't need to be spending time. And a lot of the time, and we've taught this to so many clients as we're working with them, you don't need to be in your business as much as you think you do. You're not as important to your business as you think you are. And I say that with love. So when you realize that, you know, you're spending two hours every other day answering emails, or, you know, you're spending 30, 45 minutes every day answering DMs, or you are spending 45 minutes like scrolling on reels, trying to find a trending audio that you like. It's all of these little things where that end up being a time suck and take you away from the CEO level tasks that you need to be at or take you away from time with your family, time of growing your business, whatever those other tasks look like in your life. So when I'm trying to figure out what to outsource first, I do the time audit and then like, okay, I spent way too much time answering emails. I could hire an admin assistant or I put off doing this bookkeeping task literally for two weeks. So maybe I need a bookkeeper. Kind of figuring out the happy medium between what are the tasks that are time sucks and what are the tasks that you absolutely hate doing but have to be done in order to grow your business. So figuring out what's more important at the time. A lot of the time, the kind of stair step into outsourcing that I like is take a look at your systems first. If you feel confident in your systems and how you're running your business and how clients are receiving information, then check that off the list. Your systems are good. Next step is, okay, now let's take a look at a virtual assistant or social media. If you like hanging out on social media, hire a virtual assistant to handle admin, especially if you hate answering emails. But if you prefer to connect with your client when they're emailing and doing sales calls and really having a high touch experience, but you hate social media, then outsource social media first. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I hate email. You know this, that I hate email. I think I have trained my clients not to email me anymore. Like (laughs) don't get emails from clients anymore, to be honest with you. I love that. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but like, I think my clients just know, like, if we want to talk to Corinda, we're just going to pick up the phone and call her. Yeah. And we can get things taken care of right then. And I just like avoid email, like the plague now, like somebody emails me, I'm like, pick up the phone, call them. So when emails me, I'm like, hello, yes, I can take care of you over the phone. We can be done with this in five seconds. 
and not go back and forth. Yes. I, I love that. I think something that we've been talking about in my coaching program a lot this year is stepping into the role of being a CEO Yeah, and starting to treat your business like you are a CEO. Right. And asking yourself, like, is this a CEO task or, you know, not to be offensive, but like, or is this a $10, $15 an hour task? Right. The tasks you should be doing are your like $100 an hour tasks. Your time is valuable. Your time is worth a lot of money. Right. You can outsource those $10, $15 an hour tasks to someone else. So that's a question I've been asking myself. I'm like, is this a $100 an hour task or is this a $15 an hour task? I love that. I should let it go. Yes. Um, Yes. So I think that's really a good way to look at things. Okay. So if you're thinking about outsourcing time on it first, look at all the things you're doing, say what things are either taking too much of my time that someone else can handle, or secondly, what things do I absolutely hate and dread doing (laughs) that I keep putting off? that I just need to find somebody else to handle. Do you think that there's like a a point in photographers like growth in their business of where they're at when they typically start to think about hiring somebody to help them? Or what do you think that looks like? Looking to create more magic in your business? Make sure you join us over in Your Magic Year. Your Magic Year is our new year-long program designed to help give you direction and guidance as you move throughout the next year in your business. Together, we're going to work through quests each and every month. We're going to have a magical training every month to give you guidance and direction. But most importantly, you're going to be surrounded in a community of people that are also working towards the same goals as yourself so you don't have to feel alone. Check out the link in the show notes. That's a good question. I think a lot of our clients, when they come to us for admin support, especially they're reaching the point in their business where maybe they don't even realize it, but they need to step in that CEO level. And they're just like, I don't know how to do all of these things. Just help me for the love of God. (laughs) And then, you know, we can come in, we organize the emails, we make sure the systems are good to go. We take care of the day to day. And so many times I, you know, we hear our clients come back and they're like, oh my gosh, I have so much more time and I'm able to do X, Y, and Z. And normally that looks like you've been working full time for probably at least a year Mm -hmm. and you're reaching that first, probably at like 80 to $120,000 year, I would say. Because at that point you're working full time. Mm -hmm. You have a solid process in place. If your systems aren't in place, you have a solid process, even if you don't even know it. And you realize that you want your clients to have an even better experience. Right. I think that that $100,000 mark is definitely like the, when you hit the $100,000 mark, you might need a little bit of help. Yes. When you hit the $200,000 mark, you really need help. Yes. (laughs) If you're like the $300,000 mark, don't be crazy like me. Hire yourself people to help. You need a lot of help if you're running like a $250,000, $300,000 a year photography brand. And when you get to like that $500,000 mark, you're definitely going to need full-time support dedicated to you all the time if you have a life. (laughs) Right. There's like a graduation there. Like you start out with a little bit. As you get busier, you let go of more and more and more. Yeah. And that's really helpful. And that's why I think having like someone like Jen that is trained in doing this 
that you can just be like, I'm overwhelmed. Can you help me? And she's like, don't worry. I got this. I do this for tons of other people. Yeah. Versus like trying to find somebody and train them yourself and teach them how your business works and all the things. That's a steeper learning curve than starting out with someone like Jen that is trained in this and knows what she's doing. Yeah, definitely. I love that. So what do you think like the first thing that someone needs to do when they're thinking about hiring a virtual assistant to help them? Like, what is that first step? Is it creating, looking at the system themselves and creating like a strategy and a standard operating procedure, like SOP essentially, or should they come to you first and be like, help, I'm lost. I don't know what to do. Where do I begin? This question gets me so hyped because you have two options and it honestly comes down to what you want to invest. If you really just need somebody day to day to come in and help you basic admin stuff, then creating SOPs yourself off of what you know and how you want clients to experience your business is a fantastic place to start. Okay. And then, like you said, there's a big difference between hiring a friend that needs extra money, a general virtual assistant that's familiar with the space. And then a specialized, what I would consider our company, a specialized company, virtual assistant that understands photography, the industry, the business, et cetera, right? So if you are outsourcing on a budget, create tight SOPs. And that is literally, you want to give the person you're hiring the ability to look at your document and or watch your videos and understand how to answer an email based off of what you give them as a resource. Because what I see happen, and sometimes even with our clients, you hire a person, but you're so busy or you're smack in the middle of busy season that you don't have the time to train them how to answer your emails. And even a general virtual assistant or a specialized virtual assistant, there's still going to be things that we have to know or they have to know for your voice, how you want something to look, the way you want us to sound, your specific questions like, hey, can we meet over at Jimmy John's at, you know, 5 p.m. for like, no, I meet at Starbucks. We just little things like that. We're not going to know those things off the top. So if you create an SOP document that lays out exactly how you answer your emails, your canned emails, when you take sessions, what color those sessions are in your calendar, if we need to separate travel time to the session. That's kind of so then you're not getting scheduled back to back, especially when you're talking about family photography or equine photography, you are moving locations a lot of the time throughout the day. So I can't schedule a a 5 p.m. and then a 6.30. That's probably not going to work well for anybody. So giving us those details to get started, you can hire somebody more general and be prepared to help them be successful. On the flip side, if you want somebody to come in and own it and really help you improve the system and up-level your business, then hiring somebody that's more specialized that can start with SOPs and systems first and say, okay, here's the audit. Here's what's broke. Let's not duct tape it anymore. Here's how we're going to fix it. This is the SOP on how to handle it from now on. Those are your two options when you're looking at outsourcing. Right. I love that. So what I've been teaching, what I've been telling my coaching clients is like, have a document that if literally fall off the face of the earth tomorrow, yes, somebody step in, 
read the document, watch the videos, see the step-by-step directions and go, I can run her business. That is what you should strive for as a business owner is like every little thing you do in your business should be documented like step by step by step by step. And that's why like when Jen wrote blogs for me and I'm like, hey, I need you to write these blogs. And she's like, cool. And I'm like, here's the document of how it's laid out. Here's the the fill in the blanks. Here's what goes where. Take it and run with it. And like, I didn't even have to like check it over or look at the stuff. I was just like, okay, cool. I gave her the outline. I trust that she did a good job. I'm just going to let her go with it. Yeah. I think that brings me to my next question. What would you say to people who have trouble letting go or they're like overly critical of what other people do for their business because they're like, I would have done it differently or I would have said it slightly differently and this isn't good enough. So I'm going to like micromanage and pick apart every detail. How do you deal with that? As a photographer who's struggling to let go of things, I'm preaching to the choir here. (laughs) How do you recommend people deal with those feelings? Oh, man. There's a specific client I'm thinking of. (laughs) And and in some cases, it can be really hard because obviously there's going, there's, and that's part of learning the voice and figuring out how you want things answered. So creating canned emails is a really good way to help your virtual assistant learn your voice because they're yours, right? And then they can ad lib as they need to when other emails come in. As for you all letting go, sometimes you just have to jump. But I think it's a matter of not just trusting your virtual assistant off the bat. I've made that mistake before Mm -hmm. and it bit me in the petunia and it sucked (laughs) so much. So I think when you bring somebody new on and you have a problem letting go, I'm a control person to big time. I'm sitting here with this conversation and I still manage my own emails. Please and thank you. (laughs) So bad. So when you're struggling with this, hire your person, give them their SOPs if you have them, and then keep tabs on the inbox for 30 days. The way we do it on, on, on our team is we use Voxer to communicate with our clients. So if an email comes in that we haven't answered before, we screenshot it, we send it to the client, say, hey, how would you like me to handle this? We type up an email based on what they say. We send that screenshot. It gets approved. We send the email. Now, that sounds like a lot of steps. But as you learn the business and as we learn, that back and forth has become less and less. And you are going to become more confident in those person's responses because you've been so involved in it in the first normally 30 to 45 days. As you become more confident, then I recommend remove the daggone app from your phone. (laughs) It's really hard to let something go when you're still getting notifications of it. Yeah. Yeah. You don't get notifications of your ex-boyfriend's Instagram. We don't want notifications of your email inbox coming to your phone anymore. I that's that's an important point in general. Even if you are still at the point where you're managing that stuff, take the notifications off your 100%. phone. One hundred percent. At the end, like even when you're still managing your own stuff, nothing you do is life altering as a photographer. Like right. somebody's not going to die because you didn't respond to their email. Take your email off your phone. Take all that stuff off your phone. Take your notifications off your social media. Log into your computer first thing in the morning hit reply, open your inbox, reply to those emails and close it for the rest of the day. Yeah, This stuff does not need to be checked in. 
a hundred times a day. And it's not the end of the world if you don't get back to them within like 30 seconds. And right. if your clients are emailing you, if your clients email you and then they text you because you don't respond within like an hour, there's a boundary problem with your clients. Yeah. This is not an email problem. This is a client boundaries, client respecting you, which I think and- talked about that in another podcast episode. So yeah. <laughs> that's a big one. Expect your clients to respect you as a business owner. Oh, that's so good. I love that. Well, and I'm bit, I know you give out your your number to clients and that works really well for you. I actually recommend with with our clients that we, you they don't get your personal number. No one needs that. If you want to do cell phone work, then doing something like on phone or Google Voice, something like that, that allows you again to turn the app off. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, my apps, all of my business apps go black. I turn them off sometimes because I'm neurotic, but they do go black and they, they stay that way until 7 a.m. the next morning. And I do my checks then. So yeah. I'm I'm big on no notifications too. Okay. So how do you is there like a trick to doing that? Like can you just go, is there like a setting in your phone that allows you to oh. do that? I don't yes. Know. Okay. When my, okay. <laughs> my voxer goes off at like 11 o'clock at night and Austin rolls over <laughs> bed and he's like, who's voxering you this late? And I'm like, he's like, turn those notifications off. <laughs> so yes, I need to know your secret. What is your secret here? Yes. Yes. Okay. So I have, I have Apple. So I don't know if it's going to be different for what is it? Samsung, Google, whatever. Right. So in Apple, you go to settings. And then you go to screen time and then downtime. You can create a schedule for specific days and then you can create like what apps are always allowed. So the apps that I choose are all the business apps get shut down for the day. Right. Okay. That is smart. I don't know why I didn't know that. That is a great tip. I think everybody go through, decide what your working hours are and shut your apps off after working hours. I'm going to do that right after we finish recording this. My husband's going to be so excited. You're welcome, Austin. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to owe you. I'll send you a Starbucks gift card. <laughs> but yeah, I love that. I think that's really, really valuable. So I think that's a good point you mentioned about the phone thing. So I, I do have a Google Voice number and I keep my Google Voice number on everything. I Once a client is booked with me, they get my cell phone number. Yeah. Before somebody's booked me, they don't get my cell phone number. And I'm very diligent about, I don't really text unless it has to do with outfits. That's really the only time I text my clients is if they're shopping for outfits and they need my help right away. Or like the day before the session, I'll pop over a quick text and be like, Hey, just want to check in, see you tomorrow. Or if the weather's bad, I'll shoot them a text on my cell phone. But my clients are really respectful of my time because the way I present myself and the way I act about my time and the value of my time. So my clients respect that. And they're pretty good about not like texting me late at night. If somebody texts me late at night, they are not getting a response. Good. And I will not text them back. Like if I have a client that every once in a while, I'll have a, a client that's a little finicky and they'll start texting me because they email me and I don't respond within an hour. That has not happened in years. But I would literally refuse to respond to their text message and I would go to my email inbox and I would email them back and not text them back to be like, I'm not texting you back. Yeah. I'd be like 8 a.m. sitting at the desk the next day. Okay, they can get a response at 8 (laughs) a.m. Yeah. 
I think that's really a good point to set boundaries for sure. I would probably send an email like 10 a.m. just because that's the person I <laughs> like. You're going to wait two hours. You're going to okay. wait an extra two hours to schedule this for later in the day. So you have to wait. Yeah. yeah, I feel you there. So tell me this. What are the most common things that you find yourself helping photographers? I know we've talked about email management. I know we talked about social media. We've talked about scheduling. Like what other things do you take off of photographers plates? Those are the two main offers we have is social media management and admin support. And then the other big one is system setups. So we specialize in Dubsado and HoneyBook. So we set up both of those systems. Either we can optimize it if you're already using it, but you're like, I am not using this to the full potential. We can do that. Or if you just need a new system or you don't have a system, then we offer turnkey setups. So we do that. And then we also have Pinterest blogging, newsletters, all the things. So tell me about like what you think the importance of having a good CRM is for photographers. Oh my gosh. And also CRM is a client relations management system for those of you that are like CRM. What is that? And that's (laughs) what you're talking about. Dubsado and HoneyBook. And I use Tave, Tave, however you want to say it. Yeah. Even though Jen is amazing and she set up my whole Dubsado for me and it was beautiful and amazing, my brain just could not comprehend Dubsado for some reason, even though I think it's amazing and beautiful and I wanted to do it so bad, but I failed at it. I mean, it was set up really beautifully by Jen, so that's cool. (laughs) I think probably one of the hardest system transitions I've seen photographers struggle with is Tabe. That's that's how I say it, uh, to Dubsado. Because as complicated as Tabe is, it's also so much more robust than what Dubsado can provide in some ways. So I can see that being a hard transition. And we have we have a client on our roster right now that she still just uses both. She's been with us for two and a half years and we have her whole Dubsado set up and there's still just things she does in Tabe. <laughs> there you go. I love that. So what what do you recommend photographers are using their CRM for? I like to say from contact through completion. And it's depending on how you set it up or if you hire somebody to set it up, it should take the client process from the time that they reach out to you on your website through asking them for a review for their experience. And it's sending a proposal to get them scheduled. It's taking payments. If you have the ability to create schedulers and allow them to choose their photo shoot date and time, email correspondence, all of the things. Basically anything client experience related, I recommend CRMs for. A lot of people get it confused. You can also work use it for bookkeeping. And I absolutely don't recommend it for bookkeeping. Even if you add in your expenses, which is literally just making more work for yourself and who needs that, it doesn't do the same things that a bookkeeping software does. So it doesn't replace bookkeeping, but it should handle your client experience. And the benefit of it is if you're out on a session and you get a lead in, your workflow should be set up, your automation should be set up where one of two, well, one of two or three things happen. They get an automatic response saying like, hey, thank you so much. Our office hours are Tuesday through Thursday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. We'll be back with you in 48 hours, something like that, right? Or if you wanted to really streamline your process and you don't have like a very high touch process, you can send them an email with the proposal and say, hey, 
you can go ahead and book here. If you have questions, you can use this link to schedule a call. It gives your clients answers when they reach out and it sets the expectation on when they can hear from you again or how to work with you. And setting expectations and having clear communication are like the two pillars of a solid business. Right. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because I'll be really transparent. I try to be transparent with people. I am not a CRM person. CRMs just, they confuse my brain. I've always struggled with like all the things with CRMs. I primarily use my CRM for sending my booking reservation form, which is like my quote form on Tave Tave. One day I'm going to learn how it's actually supposed to be said. Um, (laughs) I know, right? But Sending my quote, which is they choose which type of session they're booking. They add on any extra things. They can pre-purchase items. They sign their contract. They complete their questionnaire. They're paying their invoice. That's primarily what I'm using my CRM for these days. And my invoicing during my image reveal, I'm typing on my invoice and they're paying through there. But I have just never like, I've never been the workflow person in my CRM, even though I've tried. I've paid Jen to set it up. I've paid other people to set it up in day. I have paid all the people to help me do the things. (laughs) And I had a conversation with somebody that teaches systems maybe a year or two ago. And she said something that really stood out for me. And I think it's really important to point out. Not every system works for every person. Right. And if a system doesn't feel right for you, that's okay. It means it's not the right system for you. So sometimes like, you know, remember that if you're like trying to build these things out and you're like, this just, uh, this just doesn't feel right. Maybe it's not the right system. And (laughs) maybe this is crazy for me to say, but like, I don't send automated emails out anymore. Really? I I send some automated emails out after the session happens to schedule their reveal and to prep them for their reveal. But on the front end of my session, I have essentially eliminated every email that could possibly go out because I hate emails. (laughs) Right. So it's like, if I'm here and I'm like, I hate emails. I don't want to touch my inbox. If someone emails me, uh, Jen probably knows this. If she's ever emailed me, she knows that it takes a while for me to get back to her. But yeah, that's an important thing to remember is find somebody really good like Jen to help you get started and help you get set up in a system. But like, also don't be afraid or beat yourself up if the system doesn't feel right for you. Yeah. See, I live with a lot of guilt over the fact that I paid Jen to set up Dubs Auto and it was so good and I just couldn't transition to it. So we have it happen more often than you think. And one of the big things that I talk about in my business is to stop shitting yourself. Like, <laughs> like you don't need to should yourself to death. Like you, sh- you don't need to build a business a certain way because you think you should. And that's why when we do system setups, we don't say, okay, here's the template and this is how we're going to set up. We literally sit down and talk through your process. It's not a cookie cutter thing. It's tailored to your business and how you want your clients to experience it and how you want to experience your business because who the heck wants to spend seven days a week answering emails or taking care of crap? Like nobody does. Like I don't want to work 60 hours a week. That's not the reason I started the business. Yeah, I, I agree. My sister... I'll pick on my sister. My sister owns a business and mm-hmm. a lot of clients and um, she spends so much time in her email inbox. And I'm always just like, please just find somebody to handle this for you. Like, just, just let it go. It's good. It'll get you so much time back. We go to Hawaii and she's like sitting there on her computer at night, responding to emails. <gasps> like, 
I'm like, just, just let it go. (laughs) I'm like, or just train your clients not to email you. You could do that too. There you Um, go. (laughs) So yeah, I love that. If you could give people who are listening, like some piece of advice about how to just get over this hurdle of letting things go, what would you tell them? Oh my gosh. Just rip off the bandaid. Like start with the task that you're, I don't know, comfortable setting on fire, right? If you are really, really anxious, I am a very anxious person. So I understand, like I understand how it almost feels impossible to let things go. So if you're a super anxious person and it feels too much, then start with the task that you can set on fire and it's not going to affect your business. If you want to hire a general virtual assistant, start with an inbox organization. Like if you have 15,000 emails sitting in your inbox, (laughs) then hire somebody, pay them, you know, $15 an hour to come in, filter your inboxes, put labels in place and tell them they can't delete anything, but put them in folders and organize it. So then you can come in and you have an organized inbox and you haven't lost anything in the process. And they haven't like messed up some crazy client experience that you want the client to have, right? So it's a good test to see if it's a potential good fit. And as you get more confident in to those little tasks, you can hand off bigger tasks. And that that's the easiest thing. You can hire you can hire out for little things, organizing your inbox, creating graphics, going through your Instagram and and, and engaging with accounts that you want to have engaged. Send an, an assistant 20 different canned comments and responses and have them spend 15 minutes a day. First of all, it's going to boost your engagement rates. And second of all, it's going to be another little task that if they don't do it right (laughs) or they misspell a word, it's not going to cause any issues. So starting off with something really small like that and building the confidence up is one way. The other way is to do it smart. And that is to, if you're ready to hire somebody to come in and like take ownership in your business, reach out to your business besties, reach out to the, to the people in your community and network to give you referrals. Because I think a lot of people get burned from hiring a friend of a friend or like this, you know, person that needed a little bit of side money or this 35,000 person Facebook group. And you went with one of the many options and you got burned that way. Start with referrals that you know people have worked with and had a good experience with. Yeah. Whenever it comes to like hiring a virtual assistant for people who've never worked with somebody before, do most virtual assistants charge by the hour? Do they charge by the task? Like how does that normally work for most virtual assistants? So people kind of know what to think about as far as budgeting for like, yeah, Ready to let something go? How much money do I need to do this? Yeah. So that's, it's, it's a very, like a huge range, right? So I have, I've hired people for $15 an hour. I've hired people where it was like a thousand dollars a month. It just, it kind of depends. So if you are looking for admin support, you can normally find solid admin support for a general virtual assistant between 15 and $25 an hour. Once you look into a specialty, so mm-hmm. think social media, the Posado setup, someone who is familiar with the photography space and is coming in more as a high-level virtual assistant, most of the time you're looking at a retainer. You're not looking at an hourly rate. So 
for our admin support, you get let's get two inbox and CRM checks a day. Voxer access from Monday through Friday. We create your SOPs as we work with you. And if you need a monthly meeting, we can we can always arrange that too. And that is $650 a month. Mm-hmm. We are a, I consider that rate premium, high level. I mean, that's a no-brainer. Like literally, <laughs> like let's just consider this. Okay, for my coaching clients that are listening, you'll you'll get this reference. It's like three gift prints, right? Right. A 16 by 20 canvas. <laughs> like yeah. think about it in those terms. That's the way I like to think about it. I'm like, how many pictures do I have to sell to pay for that? Yes. I need to sell three gift prints or oh, I just need to sell a canvas that's this size and I can do that. I'm like, cool, I can handle that. That's a no-brainer. And the nice thing, when you hire someone who knows what they're doing, you're going to get a minimum a minimum of four hours a week back in your life. And I mean, like, that's bare bone minimum. (laughs) And, you know, I mean, we have clients that literally don't check their own email anymore. Mm -hmm. How much time do you spend, unless you're Corinda, (laughs) and and you've trained your clients not to email you, in your email, just answering emails or going back and forth on times or setting up vendors, like, it's exhausting. It is. Yeah. And I would say like the other thing to keep in mind too, when you consider hiring somebody yourself versus hiring a VA that's trained is when you hire somebody yourself, you might pay them less money, but you have to train them and they're going to be poor at what they do. So like I can hire Jen to handle things and her and her team can take care of it, you know, five or six hours a week. Whereas if I was paying somebody to do the same task, a lower rate, I would be holding their hand while they're doing it. And they would probably take 10 hours a week to do it instead of Jen and her team that take like five or six hours to do it. That is such a good point. I haven't considered that comparison before. And I'll be honest, most of our clients, everyone has a busy season and that's a little different. But I would say on average, we take care of our clients' inboxes and CRM and their miscellaneous admin tasks in about four to five hours a week. Yeah. That's bananas. Right. I think for most people, if you're like at that $100,000 in revenue mark, like you don't really need somebody 10 or 15 hours a week. And it's hard to just, you know, you might not need 10 hours a week. You might just need a few hours a week to manage your stuff. So I think that hiring a VA that is trained and just can work for you a few hours a week because they work for 15 other photographers at the same time, that is a huge advantage for you as well. And also too, I'm sure like, and Jen is really knowledgeable and she knows a ton about photography business and industry in general now because she's worked with so many photographers and she's learned so much. If you do something stupid, I'm fairly certain that Jen and her team are going to be like, this might be a bad idea. Should you reconsider? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Always. I have one client that I work with. I'm more her like director of operations and less like virtual assistant at this point, but I've worked with her for four years. And there's times like we'll have a lead come in or she'll want to schedule something. I'm like, no. That's not a good fit for you. And she's like, but I'm like, no. So once we learn your business, we're really good at not only helping you maintain your boundaries, but like telling you no when you want to say yes, if it's a genuinely not a good fit. And sometimes having that second set of eyes and like that partner in your business is really, really beneficial. Yeah. So if somebody is looking to hire a virtual assistant to help them out, what types of things should they look for? 
Or what should they ask the person before they hire them to make sure they're actually a legitimate person and really going to be a good fit for their business? Oh, this is such a good question. You guys don't do what I did. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm super transparent too. I made two hires last year that bit me in the butt because I didn't ask the right questions. And what I learned, what my experience has been, if I'm wanting to hire somebody as a virtual assistant in the business, they need to know at the very base level, the online community and what it looks like to work virtually. Neither of those hires that I made knew those things. And I'm like, it's fine. I can train them. It's literally answering emails and scheduling on the calendar. Mm -hmm. But because they didn't grasp the concept of how the photography industry works or like all the little nuances, you can't schedule a photo shoot outside at noon in the middle of the summer. Like that's not going to work. Those little things. So if you're looking to hire a virtual assistant, you want somebody who has basic knowledge of what it looks like to be a virtual assistant. They know how to answer emails. They know that it needs to be between normal business hours. And even if they're not available during normal business hours, they're scheduling your emails in normal business hours, right? Just little things. And the way you can test that, I created an application that asks um, applicants, if you have too many tasks, how do you tell me? If you are, are available during the day and you need to answer emails in the evening, how do you take care of those? And if they come back and they're like, well, I'm just going to answer them. I don't want my clients receiving emails at 10 o'clock at night. I'm asleep. I don't want my business to be run at 10 o'clock at night. And then things like HoneyBook and Dubsado, if you have the time, you can train people on it. If you don't have the time, making sure that they know at least, again, basics or my land, give them a task like a project paid at like $15 an hour for a couple of hours that makes them do some research. Like the last thing you want is for them to say, come here, like, how do I send an invoice in HoneyBook? There's like 105 to-dos out there. Go look. Yeah. (laughs) I'm pretty sure you can figure it out. Doing little tasks or tests like this in the hiring process that show you that they're willing to learn. Mm -hmm. They know basic industry knowledge and or they're willing to figure it out. Because nothing frustrates me as a business owner and the clients that we work with is someone who like wants the answers handed to them on a cookie plate. Like, no, you go figure out how to send that invoice in HoneyBook, please. And thank you. Yeah, that's a big thing I've learned about managing people is give them a goal. Say like, this is the goal of what needs to happen. You figure it out. Yeah. That's like what a good employee should do. You Mm -hmm. should hold their hand and babysit them and find the YouTube video to show them or walk them through it yourself. They should be able to go to Google and be like, how do I do this? And yeah. figure it out themselves without you having to handhold them. Yes. And also, I have also learned this might be a really bad piece of advice to give. Be slow to hire and quick to fire. Yes. Don't, oh my gosh. Don't, yeah. Don't bad firing somebody who's not serving you in your business because yeah. it's going to cost you a lot at the end. And it's going to be harder to let them go. It's like the toxic boyfriend that you don't let go because, you know, it's the same thing with employees. The longer you hold on to that toxic employee, harder it's going to be in the end. Yeah. Let me tell you, let me tell you all, last year was such a big lesson. The two big hires like that really messed me up easily cost me $20,000. Easily cost me $20,000. Yeah. So just learn from my mistake. Follow Corinna's advice. Be very slow to hire. I recommend doing Um, Now our hiring process is very different. I have my employee go through the applicants 
select the ones that she feels like would be a good fit. So I don't get my little heart involved because I'm really bad about that. And then she does the initial interview as well. And then I come in and my little heart can stay out of it because at least I know at that point I'm dealing with like solid candidates. Yeah, I think that's really for sure. Definitely important. I love that advice. Well, I hope this has been helpful in opening people's eyes to the possibility of hiring people. I know that I think I remember maybe like seven years ago, I remember sitting at a workshop and I remember something clicked in my brain and I was like, I want to have a full-time employee in my business. Actually, I want to have multiple full-time employees that work for me. And that was like a really big turning point. And like, okay, in order to eventually be able to have full-time employees, I need to start small. I need like a VA to step in and handle things. And that's the first step. And I think that was really helpful in those earlier years is just having someone like Jen coming in and being like, let me handle your inbox. It's a mess. Let's organize this. Or sure, I'll take these blogs off your plate. So I think that was really, really helpful. And I hope that those of y'all that are listening have some hope now of you don't have to always do all the things by yourself. Yes. There is a light at the end of the tunnel where you start to turn things over and let go. And also too, I think in your personal life, there's a time when you can start letting go of things, tasks, these same principles apply in your house, whether cleaning or cooking or washing your car or all the things you don't like doing in your personal life, outsource them. Wouldn't you rather like pay somebody $15 an hour to like do something at your house so you can enjoy time with your kids or your family, then you like finish working for the day and then you have to go do all these other tasks in your home too. So don't forget about thinking about your personal life too and outsourcing and like just getting the stuff you don't like to do off your plate. I think I heard someone say once upon a time, like, I really didn't enjoy like reading my kid books. So you know what? I hired a nanny and the nanny reads my kid books. So I don't have to. And now I just get to play with my kid and have fun with my kids instead of read books to them. And I was like, that works. Like that's the perfect example of like realizing there's something that seems so strange to be like, I just don't enjoy it. Right. Letting go of it and being okay with that. Yeah. But thank you so much, Jen, for joining us. If somebody wants to get in touch with you and they're like, okay, this is it. Jen needs my inbox in her life. (laughs) I'm tired of it. I'm deleting the app off my phone today. What should they do to get in touch with you? So you want to hang out with us. We are on Instagram at success beyond the lens. And we're hanging out over there all the time. If you want to get in touch with me, you want to schedule a consultation call. We can take a look at those systems and inbox. It's successbeyondthelens.com slash contact. Awesome. And Jen also has a podcast. Oh yeah, I do have a podcast. (laughs) Yeah. We are celebrating three years this year of the Success Beyond the Lens podcast. That's amazing. And if it wasn't for Jen being like, hey, Corinda, you want to be on the podcast? I mean, I might not even be here today because clearly I was like, hey, that was kind of fun. I think I can do this. So partially all because of Jen that this podcast exists today. So we'll just blame this on her. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us, Jen. It has been so fun getting to talk to you. And I cannot wait to hear people's stories about how this episode helps them start to learn to let go. Send me a DM, send Jen a DM, like let us know what you're ready to let go of and what you're going to hand over in your business this year. Make a goal for yourself this year. Like one thing that you can let go of and stop being a control freak about, it needs to happen this year. Make this year your year that you let go. (laughs) Bye guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please make sure you share it on social media or leave a rating and review. As always, you can check out the links and resources in the show notes over at 
MasterYourMindMoney.com. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at MasterYourMindMoney. And don't forget to join our free Facebook group, Photography Business Tune-Up with Corinda K. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.